Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What is up, Dolphins fans? And welcome into the Monday, August the 12th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we've got some roster news. The Dolphins add a player on Sunday. Plus, we'll give you the details behind Robert Kemdiche and what he could bring to the 2019 Miami Dolphins and beyond. Plus, we'll go a step further into the film room from Thursday night's win, some notes we missed on the initial watch, some formation and scheme notes, presser audio, and a whole lot more. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, get us right back into that top 200 on iTunes. Also, give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Voted the best follow on Dolphins Twitter by Dolphins Twitter. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the updated whiteboard listing each position in order of the depth chart and giving each player a color coordination. That is up on the article on LockedOnDolphins.com. It's titled Monday Morning Quarterbacking, the Miami Dolphins Preseason Week 1 Edition. So check that out. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and the rebranded Locked On NFL podcast with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and new host, Brian Peacock. So check out those. But with that, let's go ahead and jump right into our first segment. That's another Miami Dolphins. We have a roster move that came down the wire on Sunday afternoon. The Dolphins have released defensive end slash pass rusher Jonathan Woodard, who we had speculated on this podcast for a couple of weeks, couple of months now, that maybe Woodard wasn't long for the roster because of the lack of fit in the scheme and the defense they want to play here in Miami. And I tweeted about it when he was missing from practice a couple weeks ago that that was probably the end of the line for him. And it appears that it will be the end of the line. He has been waived due to an injury, they're saying. But I think there was probably more that coincided with this move than just Woodard's injury. Coming into the roster, Terrence Smith, a linebacker formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs. He went undrafted in 2016. He ran a 4.7740, a 7.143 cone. So not explosive metrics there. A 34 and a half inch vertical, a 10 foot broad jump, not a lot of production at FSU in college or at Kansas City in the pros. He bounced around from their roster and practice squad back and forth a couple of times before finally landing on injured reserve last year to end his 2018 season with a knee injury. And that's it for the news items, except the other roster addition from the weekend, which happened on game day on Thursday and kind of clever by the Dolphins to go ahead and sweep that under the rug for a player that has been a little bit troubled in his past, getting him on the roster on the day of the first game, a smooth PR move, something Miami probably needs to do a couple times to push away some previous bad PR they created themselves. And we start this podcast with the column up on LockedOnDolphins.com, something of a refresher on the game on Thursday. Now, I did do my takeaways piece on Thursday night, and trust me, there's plenty in there, but this article covers the stuff that I didn't get to upon re-watching the game a second time. You've got over 120 snaps Some of that stuff is going to go by the wayside, but we start today's podcast with the quarterback play and get into the battle between Josh Rosen and Ryan Fitzpatrick, which seems to be getting 
ever so slightly tighter each day we go into this competition. And while Josh Rosen certainly stole the headlines, both for the positive and negative, I still came away thinking that Ryan Fitzpatrick played a very good game on Thursday night. In fact, all three quarterbacks, Jake Rudock included, a guy we never discuss on the podcast because, let's be honest, he's going to be a scout team practice squad quarterback this year, thought he played well too. Josh Rosen played pretty well, but Ryan Fitzpatrick going off script, recognizing the vulnerabilities of the defense and making the proper checks against their pass rush scheme really shined through in Ryan Fitzpatrick's pre-snap prowess and the cerebral aptitude that he applies to the game. More on that in just one second. I thought he missed one throw to Mike Gesicki where Gesicki came across the formation and flattened his route out. At first, I thought maybe Gesicki was supposed to run to the corner, but it looked more like Fitzpatrick might have just missed him on that throw in general. So that one got away from him. Another throw to Kalen Balazs that maybe could have gone all the way to the house if they would have properly executed it. That throw was missed. I explain it in these videos up on the LockedOnDolphins.com article, the Monday morning quarterbacking article, talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. But it looks like they want to get Kalen Balazs on a wheel route, on a hot route, because the pressure comes off the weak side where Balazs is not back there. And because of that, Fitzpatrick knows he has a free rusher. Ball has to come out. And I don't think the back, Balazs, was privy to that situation the way his quarterback was. I'm sure they'll get that ironed out going forward. But it's a little bit of a concern because Balazs in the past, at least this offseason, there were some reports that maybe he wasn't fully grasping the passing portion of this new playbook. It's a little bit complex. I think he missed his landmark. I don't think he got enough depth and didn't get wide enough to create space for that throw from Ryan Fitzpatrick. But all things told, Fitzpatrick was sharp. He created plays off script with his legs. He recognized the man coverage and the vulnerabilities of his tackles on that first third down run, which he converted for a first down. That was nice. I thought he looked good. I thought Josh Rosen looked good for the most part. I did pick him apart for that really bad interception, and Josh said as much in his press conference. It was a bad throw. He had one other throw to Preston Williams that I think probably could have been picked off as well, although Preston pulled it down because, well, he's an absolute stud. But Josh did excel in the areas that previously concerned me. One, the quick setup and throw strikes on time, on rhythm, and on target. He looks good that way. He challenged the field vertically. He spun the ball nicely in between the numbers and made some good reads that way. And he evaded many a compromised pocket. I do think he missed a couple of reads, but that's stuff I expect to get ironed out going forward. Again, there's videos up on my Twitter timeline that are available in this article, all condensed into one piece for you. And when we come back on the other side of the podcast, I'm going to tell you about a press conference note from Josh Rosen that I find intriguing. We're going to get to the other notes across the offensive and defensive lines in the secondary, some scheme stuff that you guys might not have heard. Otherwise, that's going to be a good little nugget for you here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And support for this podcast and some support, I suppose, for your little nugget comes from BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, preseason, regular season, postseason, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever your number is called. 
Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping again. That's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it today for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I think the preseason Miami Dolphins debuts of Brian Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen alike really kind of signified the differences in where their games are right now. Fitzpatrick is ahead because of the cerebral approach he has for the game, but Rosen is closing in because of the physical traits that really, let's face it, are superior than what Ryan Fitzpatrick has to offer. And if Josh Rosen can get closer or close the gap in that regard between the ears, then it's going to be an easy decision for this coaching staff. And one of the reasons you do bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick is because he gives you a veteran presence in that quarterback room. And I do hate using the term a great mentor for a young quarterback because let's face it, none of these older quarterbacks want to teach a younger quarterback how to take their job. He's just going to show you the things that he knows and that he's seen across 15 years in this league and allow you to take that and do with it what you will. And just having another voice in the room that can tell you some of the things that they see and let you know when the ball needs to come out and how to attack certain coverages, I think that does have its benefit. And I think Josh Rosen notices how much of a benefit that has for him as he answered this question from Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post asking about where he's at now with his comfort level compared to where he was two weeks ago. Let's go ahead and play that sound. Oh, to the moon and back. Um, but I mean, I still got ways to go. Uh, but I feel substantially better now than I did um, two weeks ago. Um, but like I said, I got a long ways to go. Um, the way Fitz in our meeting room can, can break down a defense and, and um, how quickly he can make comments on, on where everyone is, where the ball should go, is pretty impressive. And um, I think if I can kind of hedge that gunslinger attitude a little bit and put a little bit more uh, uh, thought into it, I think um, I could uh, develop pretty nicely. I think the thing that you like the most from that little soundbite there, he's saying the right things. You obviously are going to get that from Josh Rosen, a very intellectual type, which to me is my favorite type of quarterback, someone that can process and think and speak and communicate clearly the way that Josh Rosen can. But it's the little smile he got on his face, the little smirk when he mentioned the film prowess of Ryan Fitzpatrick and how he's able to pick these things up quickly in a manner that maybe Josh Rosen cannot do yet, which you would expect given 15 years versus one year in the league. I just think that we're on the right track with this kid. He's going to have a full year for evaluation. I think both these guys played well in that opener. And if you guys want to see every throw from both quarterbacks, go to the column up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Monday morning quarterbacking the Miami Dolphins preseason week one. And with that, we'll go ahead and transition off the quarterbacks and get to the rest of the roster. I mentioned the Kalen Balaj thing that is in the article about how maybe he needs to refine some of his route running and the depth and the routes he takes to get to the landmarks in the passing game. And I also mentioned the Mike Gesicki misfire on the first drive of the game, working down towards the red zone after a successful series there from Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins first team offense. 
Well, Gasicki has caught a lot of slander over his rookie season, over the beginning portions of training camp, and now into his first preseason game. And I'm not here to say that's not justified, but he did have a good game on Thursday night with a variety of different looks in his new, the new makeup of what he's going to be in this offense. He had a decent run block where he at least got in the way and just basically put a shield between he and the ball carrier. That's really all you have to ask him to do because look, I know we complain a lot about his usage last year and playing way too much in-line classic Y tight end, and he's going to have to do some of that. That just comes that comes with the territory of the position, and he did that and made some decent blocks in the running game, but I also liked the way he exposed matchups on the back end as a pass catcher. Number one, one of the things the Dolphins did from an offensive scheme standpoint was run unbalanced 12 personnel where you have two tight ends on the field, and both of those tight ends are aligned to the same side of the formation, whether it's in line or flexed out wide. In this case, they were flexed out with Nick O'Leary in the slot, driving the inside portion of the defense away from a slant route to Mike Gesicki, and then Gesicki on the outside against a smaller cornerback, and Gesicki shows the skill set to show an outside release, cross face, and get open on a slant route, and Fitzpatrick jams the ball in there for six yards on first down, a great first down play, and that's the kind of stuff, the matchup-based offense you hope this team can have with everybody, but especially Mike Gesicki, who needs that probably more than anybody else on this roster. And then a second clip in the passing game on the video. Again, all these videos are up on LockedOnDolphins.com, so go check them out. But Gesicki comes across the formation from the backside. He attacks a standing still linebacker who's a solid seven, eight yards off the ball. He presses the linebacker's toes with speed, puts him in some peril, locks up his hips, and then stacks the defensive back and flattens out his route and becomes wide open. But Fitzpatrick misses him. But all things told, a good night for Gesicki and encouraging signs going forward for the tight end. Now, Gesicki's a little bit of a souped up wide receiver, a glorified wide receiver playing tight end. Well, Miami's got another guy who, by all shapes and measures so far, looks the part of an elite wide receiver. Not only is Preston Williams on the 53-man roster right now, he might win a starting job come opening day because he's winning with size and catch radius. He's got the strong hands. There's a great video clip of a defensive back trying to separate his hands on one of those plucks he made down around the goal line. Couldn't happen. Was a futile effort. He's also stacking DBs by getting in behind them and shielding them from the football with his body. He's utilizing subtle moves to create separation. Omar Kelly was talking about all the push-offs, and you can see it a little bit, but the one route where Rosen threw up that prayer to Preston Williams, Williams gets himself into an armbar fight, and he uses the leverage and the separation that he has with that armbar to give a subtle push-off to create that space, and it puts the defensive back into immediate panic mode and they're never going to throw that flag because it's such a nuanced and subtle move from the receiver if Williams has that to his game plus all those raw traits if he has the veteran moves like that good night son because he's going to be a dominant player and he looks every bit the part of that dominant player two weeks into the season here in 2019. Let's go ahead and make a quick transition from the offense over to the defensive side. And we've talked about this at length on the podcast. I've talked about the fact that I've talked about it on the podcast, but Miami is going to be a completely new defensive team as far as scheme goes this year. And we talked about it in training camp. We talked about it at the scrimmage and we finally saw it. We can finally discuss it more in depth here on the podcast because the Dolphins showed the world with what they're going to do in a preseason contest. Now, I know we use the term base defense a lot to usually describe 4-3 or 3-4. Well, the Dolphins base defense is going to be a 4-2 big nickel. And that means that Mink 
Minka Fitzpatrick operates as both a safety and a slot cornerback type with TJ McDonald filling out the third linebacker position of that 4-2. It's more of a 4-3 with McDonald in that linebacker spot. They operated primarily out of that formation on Thursday, but the fronts and the formations included plenty of variety, including 4-2-5, that big nickel look, 4-3 under, some 3-2-6, which is a dime package, and a 3-3-5 bear look where you have three defensive linemen, three linebackers, some overhangs off the edge, and plenty of guys up on the line of scrimmage. And that included a new package of plays for linebacker Sam Aguavin that we hadn't previously seen. And the note that I take away from this game is that Aguavin, he is not a flash in the pan. He is going to be a prominent snap taker on this defense throughout a variety of sub-package looks they run on this defense. He's primarily been off the ball in practice from what I saw, but in this game, he lined up off the edge. He acted as a true edge rusher. He fell back into the hook zone and he made his run fits as a stack linebacker in the middle of that defense. He was also one of the focal points of the Dolphins special teams units. More on that in just one second. And some more nuance shined through with Miami's downfield coverage schemes. There was a third down play right in front of the end zone that resulted in an incomplete pass because of sound bracket coverage executed perfectly with trail technique by the Dolphins defensive backs. A dime defense. We finally saw a dime defense on third and long, a Patriot staple. You see Cornell Armstrong play underneath the slot and funnel the route right into his help, right into safety Montre Hardage. Again, the video up on LockdownDolphins.com. Go check that out. And Armstrong, that wasn't his only nice play of the night. He was one of the lone bright spots in that secondary. Torrey McTire deserves mention for that as well, by the way. But Armstrong, I think, is up next in line to compete for work behind Eric Rowe as the next cornerback in case of an injury. We know that Nick Needham had his struggles, but Armstrong showed the traits this coaching staff is going to love on a red zone fade route with a two-way go built in. Again, the video up on LockedOnDolphins.com. He was physical. He challenged the route off the line of scrimmage, and he mirror techniqued the receiver. So good luck there from the second-year cornerback. And to circle back to the special teams units and Sam McGuavin and Cornell Armstrong, both of those two players have been consistently on the primary special teams unit we've seen throughout camp, which has been as consistent as any group on this football team. It goes Aguavin, Armstrong, Preston Williams is out there, Andrew Van Ginkle, Walt Aikens, obviously, Durham Smythe, Chandler Cox, TJ McDonald and some Minka Fitzpatrick mixed in on punt team. Of course, the return men with Kalen Balaj, Kenyon Drake, and Isaiah Ford all behind Jakeem Grant when he is healthy and Terrell Hanks, the linebacker who had another impressive showing on Thursday night against the Falcons. He consistently makes an impact on the defensive side. There's a video of him stacking and shedding the edge in the run game, something that might not have been thought of as one of his strengths for a player that relies on speed and coverage as well as his ability to blitz the quarterback off the edge, a speed player through and through, but showing some power and strength in that rep. Okay, that's a good spot for our last break. We're going to come back and finish up the article from LockedOnDolphins.com, talk about Robert Kemdiche, and finish up by saying that this day on the calendar is not one of my favorites the entire year. But first, before any of that, Locked On Fantasy Football is your home for fantasy football advice. Make sure you guys check out Vinny Iyer on Locked On Fantasy Football. Vinny gives you the edge with over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everybody else. Then you're going to wind up with the same team as everybody else. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked on fantasy football on your favorite podcast provider.
seems like if you cover this team, you have to either be one of two things, a perpetual pessimist who always tells it like it is, or you have to blow smoke and be a positive guy at all times. I really do hope that I shoot down the fairway on that, and I realize that a lot of this podcast has been positive, but that's because I saw a lot of positive, but I'm also going to point out when I don't see positive and when I get the negative results, like this play from a communication that causes a bust in coverage on a third down and one play from inside the five-yard line. It was the Falcons' first drive of the game, that 13-play, 90-yard drive that resulted in a touchdown, and this comes on the holding call on Nick Needham in the end zone. But if Matt Schaub would have seen the other side of the formation, he would have seen Bobby McCain and Jamal Wiltz, two of these safety slash slot cornerback guys that are working in tandem and trying to figure out the communication and pass off coverage a certain way. They're going to get a stack to the field side of the formation, lined up in tight with a nasty split. Again, nasty split means you're in tight to the tackle. And they're going to have a point man be Austin Hooper, create space by getting a good release off the line of scrimmage. And the slot man, Justin Hardy, I think it is, comes off his backside and it's a two-man route combination, and McCain and Wiltz have to figure it out. They do not. They both jump the receiver, Hardy, and leave Austin Hooper wide open all alone in the middle of the end zone, but Matt Schaub did not see him. They have to get that stuff ironed out. This team cannot make mistakes like that if they want to be in football games this year because of the talent disparity. Got to get that stuff cleaned up. A player who did clean some stuff up compared to what I've seen previously is offensive tackle Isaiah Prince, the sixth round draft pick this year. He's a guy that's a little bit slower off the snap, heavy legged, a bit of a plotter, but more aggressive and physical in the running game. And we saw that aggressiveness. We saw that mauling in the running game, but he also showed marked improvements in his kick slide and pass set which provides a very nice jump from what we saw off his college tape. And maybe he gets an opportunity to supplant Jordan Mills after Mills's nightmare night on Thursday. Check out that video. And with that, we're going to wrap up the recap of that Thursday game. We're going to do it all again next week with the Buccaneers, of course. And at the very end of this article, you guys get in there and check out the updated whiteboard up-to-date depth chart with new player distinctions. I added a blue chip player in there. Previously, we had Laramie Tunzel, Xavier Howard, and Minka Fitzpatrick as guys that I think will rise to the top of their position groups this year and be potential Pro Bowl players. I added a fourth in there because this linebacker has just been stellar all throughout camp, and he was again in this game. I'm sure you guys know exactly who I'm talking about now as I continue to effusively praise Jerome Baker's game. So check out the whiteboard again up on the article on Locked On Dolphin. And in case you guys missed it over the weekend, the Dolphins signed former Ole Miss Rebel and former Arizona Cardinal Robert Kim DJ to a one-year $1.16 million deal and put him straight to the physically unable to perform list. Kim DJ suffered a torn ACL last December, so it's not likely that he comes off that PUP list before the Week 6 designation when he can return to the team for a Week 7 game against the Buffalo Bills. And I did post a film study on Kim Diche up on the website, Free Agent Analysis, Defensive Interior Robert Kim Diche, taking a look at the former 29th overall pick of the 2016 NFL Draft. He was Laramie Tunzel's teammate at Ole Miss, and he and Tunzel go way back. It sounds like Tunzel vouched for Kim Diche to get him on this roster, which is cool because there's a video of Kim Diche talking about Tunzel on draft night when he went through the whole bong mask thing, and those two guys obviously have a pre-existing relationship 
that means both guys will support one another. And that vouching went a long way towards the Dolphins bringing up this guy who is rocked up, built like an absolute house, but he also has some athletic ability. And you can see the reasons why they would like him. He's heavy handed, strong at the point of attack. He's a two gap scheme fit. And he was available for peanuts because the production has just never matched the talent. Only had six and a half career sacks in college. Zero fumble recovered or forced at Ole Miss. And he also had some off the field issues. He got popped with a marijuana charge prior to the 2016 Sugar Bowl. Had to miss that game. And he eventually goes from a top three college recruit down to the bottom of the first round. But winding up in that first round in itself is a miracle because of his lack of production. It just shows you the type of physical traits this guy has has and that fits in line with what the Dolphins offseason has been let's acquire some guys that maybe fell by the wayside that have these freakish athletic traits and see if we can get something for nothing out of these players Kim Dice's snap count went up every year 82 snaps his rookie year didn't even play barely at all 253 in 2017 and then last year 426 snaps before he injured that ACL that was good for 38% of the Cardinals snaps he only got to the quarterback 10 times on 232 pass rush reps only one every 23.3 reps of course but the good news is half those pressures five of them were sacks which upped his PRP the weighted pass rush productivity number from complete obscurity up to 3.5 a mark that ranked 97th among defensive tackles in the NFL. Now, 138 of his pass rush snaps came from the left side. As far as his run defense work, that was more impressive. He's 314 pounds. He had 22 run stops last year, good for an 11.4% run stop percentage, top 20 at his position in the NFL. I watch his tape and I see a guy that can redirect, a guy that has a secondary pass rush move, a guy that has the athletic ability to work laterally down the line of scrimmage against the outside zone running game, hold the point of attack against power and give you an occasional rush from the inside it's going to be a bit of a project for for marion hobby and this dolphins defensive line unit but nonetheless this guy has a bunch of talent if they can just get him to realize that keep him clean off the field and get him back from that acl injury i don't see any downside to the signing cheap peanuts level contract for robert kim and he'll probably be back sometime in mid-october and mid-October happens to be when my birthday occurs, or actually the end of the month, October 28th. And today, as I record this podcast on Sunday, August the 11th, today would have been my mom's 59th birthday if she were still with us. I miss her dearly, but here in about an hour, we're heading out to go get some dinner with my brother and his wife, a kind of annual tradition we do now on her birthday every year. She loved going out to dinner with us to chain restaurants. We did kind of change going from chain restaurants to more preferable restaurants down here in Southeast Washington. So mom, I love you and I miss you more and more each and every day that goes by without you here. So we'll celebrate her tonight. As for this edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, that is time for me to go ahead and sign off here. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the two takeaway pieces written by yours truly, the Robert Kim Dice recap and film study, also written by yours truly, the roster move the Dolphins made on Sunday, covered by Sean Diggity. Plenty of content for you guys, basically from now all the way through the Super Bowl. Your never-ending one-stop shop for all things Miami Dolphins football. And with that, Let's go ahead and check out for the day. You guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins.
Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up.